So our next guest is Hannah McCook. Hannah is originally from Aberdeen, however, she's moved out to Aviemore at a young age. Um, Hannah has also played uh, in one World Amateur Championship. She's played on the three times played in the European team, and she's a six-time home internationalist. Along with that, in 2018, just before she decided to turn pro, she won the Welsh and Irish Women's Open Stroke Play Championship in the same year. Welcome, Hannah. Thank you very much for having me. Nice to have you on, Hannah. Thank you so, very much. Can I, as David just touched on there, you were you're born in Aberdeen, but then you've kind of moved a little bit outside the area, than probably more of our podcast regulars that we've had on. Um, can you tell us a bit about growing up there and how you got into the game? So, yeah, I was I was born born in Aberdeen, and then at the age of six moved to a little village called Nethbridge near Aviemore. But I actually started golfing when I was just the summer before I left Aberdeen. Actually, my parents bought my brother and I a seven iron and putter from John Lewis my mum worked there and went down to the beach and played the par three course there numerous occasions and then when we moved to the Highlands we're building a house opposite a golf course at Aberneffy Golf Club so my brother and I just spent the summer doing laps around there so that was basically how we started if you couldn't find us in the garden we're probably on the golf course somewhere <laughs> yeah I think we've all been in that kind of stage where you kind of get your first first sunrise kind of ahead the golf course and we're there until sunset you know yeah, definitely. It was a case of like mum would basically shout across the road going it's tea time and we'd come running back for tea. So it's <laughs> that was handy a... though, been so close. Oh, it was very handy. I mean we just had to cross cross one little road and we were there, so it was easy enough to get to. Mm. Now Hannah, you're obviously a big spoke uh, spokesperson for diabetes within the game. Do you are you still using the insulin pump and the the glucose monitor to, to I, um, monitor? Yeah. I have been with Dexcom Glucose Monitor now. This is probably maybe two years I've had that. And I've had an Omnipod insulin pump for just over two years as well. So, yeah, that, that helps me massively. I mean, I was before that, I was finger picking blood tests, maybe averaging about 15 times a day and injecting five times a day. So, it makes a big difference, especially on the golf course, making life a bit easier. So, um, I mean, it could be a lot worse than being diabetic, but having that makes it easier. I can just check my phone for an app to see what my blood glucose levels are and then press a button on another remote control and take some insulin. So, I mean, it sounds as easy as that, but <laughs> it is a lot easier than it used to be, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. It's it's definitely one of those things that a lot of people kind of know they know of diabetes, but it's also knowing the, you know, the, the intense kind of amount of things that you have to do, you know, as you say, check in and then keeping on top of things, you know. I mean, how... Um, I mean, how how did this come about? Kind of getting a hold of the pump and the, the monitor and things. Um, so I guess thankfully with our NHS system, we can we've got access to a few more things than a few other people do. So I, for a while, I tried to get a, I spoke about getting a pump, and they were like, "No, oh, no, it's only for people that are struggling with it and things." And then suddenly they they changed their tune that they were trying to help athletes with it. So NHS Highland were able to give myself and a few others a trial, basically, and. I never really looked back, to be honest. I mean, it made such a difference being easiness of not having to inject wherever I was. And and then with the Dexcom glucose monitor, it was the same thing, really. They wanted to help help some people. So I was fortunate enough to fall in within that category and was able to get it. So, mm -hmm. And then thankfully, Just, actually, both companies now sponsor me as well as the NHS give me the product. So. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. That's, that's yeah. handy enough, yeah. <laughs> as, as one of the companies, Omnipod said, if you live with a disease will help you with some money for it so i was like thanks very much <laughs> yeah that's fantastic that's really really good though 
I mean, just going back to whenever you were a kid, I mean, how, how did it come about? Like, obviously, you know, you were diagnosed with it, but how did, how did you find out? Um, so it was actually February of 2002, I think. I was eight years old and I wasn't, I wasn't well probably for, looking back now, it was a couple of weeks leading up to it, but it was, it was that weekend that I was sick every hour during the night on the Sunday night, I woke up the Monday and, I mean, I was, felt horrendous and I wasn't, there's was no way I was going to go to school. So mum phoned the doctors saying, can you come have a look and see, <laughs> see what's going on here? And like, oh, we're too busy, bring her in. So straight to Grantham doctors, urine sample straight away, which showed there was ketones in my urine. So it was an ambulance to Inverness to, to get me plugged into some insulin and that was it. <laughs> Four wow. days later, I was back home. So yeah, it's a quick learning curve for all of us in the house. It's a lot to take on as a kid, you know, but there's a, there's another golfer, Scott for Plank, I think he, he's a type 1 diabetic as well, I think. He is, yeah. I mean, when they, they said in the doctor's surgery that I was, it was type 1 diabetes, I obviously looked at mum had absolutely no idea what it was. <laughs> I was like, what is this? And then from the moment then you go to in the ambulance, you're like, well, this is obviously pretty serious because I'm not just going back home. Mm-hmm. And then get to the hospital and the, the nurse broke a needle trying to put the drip in my hand. So I was like, oh, great, here we go. <laughs> um so I got, got in both um, cannulas in both my arms and that was it. And obviously Scott Verplank actually only found that out, I don't know, it's a few years later because at that point I wasn't really massively into golf. But it was actually Sir Steve Redgrave that flashed up to my parents that was diabetic. That, that was like, oh, well, he's my twin and I thought I'd be all right after that. So <laughs> that was it. I never really kind of stopped me after that. Mm. Yeah. So moving on, Hannah, um... 2018 must have been a great year for you winning both the the Welsh and Irish Women's Open Stroke Play Championships. Was this kind of the contributing factor in turning professional for you? Yeah, I mean, I graduated from Stirling in 2015 and I thought it might have happened a little bit sooner after that. But I kind of, everyone says, you know, the time's right to turn pro. And I was like, oh, really not. Probably not. You'll just, you'll just do it. But I guess I got to each winter and thought, no, I don't think I'm ready to do it. So I kind of waited and waited and I knew there was a few things still in the amateur game that I wanted to kind of wanted to achieve and getting a win individual was definitely, definitely one of them. So to win the Welsh and then win the Irish the following Sunday, actually, it was two weekends in a row. And then to win with a Scottish team at the home internationals, I knew that, that probably the time was right to, to move on and to go into to the pro ranks from there. Mm. So, so during that period where you were winning those two back-to-backs, there was, was there something that you feel just clipped and kind of contributed to you winning them both? Was there something in particular you can kind of point towards? or? Um, I guess, I mean, playing playing the Welsh and winning there, I just I played pretty steady, to be honest. It wasn't like that season. It was like, oh, my goodness, something's improved massively. It just kind of all, the bad shot wasn't as bad as what it was before. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then... The week before the Welsh, actually, I was, I knew I probably I wasn't going to get, definitely get picked for Curtis Cup, but I was, I wasn't picked for it. And I was like, right, okay, well, I'll go and just show that golf's, you know, they go let the golf do the talking. So I beat a Curtis Cup, who'd been, a girl who'd just been selected for the Curtis Cup in the playoff for the Welsh and then won it again, Irish a week later. And I'm like, well, there we go. I've just proved that I can do it. So, um, I guess just the belief of winning in Wales meant that in Ireland the next week I actually just went a bit more relaxed, but whatever happens, happens. And I won again. So it was a bit crazy two weeks, actually. Very tired after those two weeks. Just out of curiosity, where was the where was the Irish one held? 
It was at, oh my goodness, Lee, that is ridiculous. Ball train. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. So, yeah, I'd played there the year before and then turned up there. And actually, the first round, I think I shot 81 and I was fifth. It was that windy. Yeah, yeah, it was wild. <laughs> so, and the next day, I think I shot 69. So, it was a bit of a difference. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I can remember whenever you kind of went on that that kind of winning spree and my my fiance obviously knows you sammy and i mean she yeah. was going absolutely bonkers whenever she'd kind of seen the news that you were kind of just decided that you were just going to pick up everything that year you know it was it was brilliant to see so obviously since then you've turned professional in 2019 i mean how was your first year as a pro it was good no i I mean, it, weird, it, says, it sounds weird to say it, but obviously I've always enjoyed golf, but for some reason during my first season, it, I probably enjoyed it more than I've ever enjoyed it before. I mean, I don't know whether that was because you were playing for something completely different and it was fresh or just the actual, like, I'm now a professional golfer and you've dreamed of it for years, whether that made a difference. But, I mean, obviously I didn't, there was nothing like during the season that wasn't amazing, but I enjoyed everything during the whole year of playing it and, keeping my status and all the, everything that goes along with it was it was good fun actually so I enjoyed it yeah yeah and I mean besides everything that's going on at the moment with schedules and things like that I mean what's the kind of goals over the next few years for you and um, definitely to to gain main full European tour status I mean I play on access tour just now and I finished high 22nd in the event in South Africa in February in March sorry so to know that I can kind of do it is to to get full time status on main tour would definitely be a be a big goal of mine. Yeah. And now don't quote me on this, but I obviously read I was doing some background research and I'd read somewhere in an article that you were working as a part time cleaner as well to help with funding. Are you still doing this or is the focus shifted towards full time golf? It's just full time golf now. Yeah, I originally started I was at Glenmore Lodge just outside Avonmore and I thought I would do this for the first winter after graduating to help with some funds and to give my mind a little something else to focus on at the same time. And it was, I think three years later, I decided that was probably <laughs> time. So it was actually last March, just after I turned pro and come home from South Africa. I spoke to the boss being like, I'm not sure how many shifts I can, can do. He's like, do you want to just leave? And like, it's probably best if I just leave. Yeah. <laughs> so that was the Tuesday and then Friday I'd done my last shift. So it was a pretty quick turnaround to be done, but it was definitely the right decision just to go full-time golf after that. But it helped. I mean, it was Sports Scotland and they were flexible and helped me loads in the process of turning pro. So I can't thank them enough for, for the job that I actually had, although it was cleaning. <laughs> yeah. It's um, it's not uncommon, though, with people that are breaking into their pro careers that they've got, you know, bar work or something, something that they can do to bring in some money whilst still getting out and playing golf and practicing during the day. So, totally. yeah. yeah you got to do what you got to do when you're getting started. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, it was funny. It was like I lived two lives in the morning. I was cleaning toilets and afternoon I was off playing golf. So I kept my mind completely away from it, which was quite nice. Hmm. And just on a side note, I mean, what did you graduate from at University of Stirling? Uh, B Honours in Sports Studies. All right, okay. So that was fun. Not as practical as everyone thinks, you know. <laughs> but I mean, the thing is that the... Um, you know, the University of Stirling's fantastic, you know, and they've a great setup for golf, you know, particularly, you know, and like I would have bumped into you at the uh, university events, you know, the British university events and things like that, you know, and 
I mean, even to go there and, you know, now that you're, you, you've turned professional, I mean, it must have been great to kind of play in those kind of things, you know, on a yearly basis while you were at uni. Yeah, definitely. I mean, when I started Sterling in 2011, five of the guys in the team of, I think, 10 of them, five of them were in the top 50 in the world. So, <laughs> I mean, it was a pretty good standard to go into and to have the events of like the British unis and Scottish unis at the likes of Lossiemouth and playing at St Andrews and the RNA Bursars. It was great to to play in all sorts of weathers and all against all sorts of competitions. So definitely it held me in good stead then turning pro after that, especially if you're having a degree behind me just in case anything mm. does happen. So, yeah. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, so next part, Hannah. So it's nice to get to kind of get to know you as a person and kind of get a little bit of an insight. But obviously we've been doing this nine hole challenge. So we're asking questions. Um and the, the answers are going to be either a birdie, par, bogey, or in some cases, the, the more outstanding the answer, you're going to get an eagle. Um, so I'm going to hand over to Darren. Darren's going to get started with it. Let's get the ball rolling. So question one, what is your favourite par three in the northeast? Oh, I mean, I've got one favourite par three of all time, but northeast... To be honest, I've actually not played that many golf courses in the Northeast, but the one that I would have to say is probably the second hole at Paul Warriors Par 3 because I had a hole-in-one there last year at his Par 3 tournament. So to have the hole-in-one there, I mean, it's probably it's got to be up there in the, <laughs> the favourites, I'd say. Did you buy everyone a coffee whenever you, you got it? Uh, I think I had a quick trip to the airport to get to Sweden that night, so I don't think <laughs> I did, but... <laughs> Um, that's, that's one way of avoiding buying the coffees like just fly to Sweden <laughs> um, yeah I mean I had from the moment I hit the shot I was playing with Michelle actually and Colin Brody and then Peter from um, NTA as well and as the new the moment we left the ball left the club face right Michelle's like that's a great shot and it pitched once and went in and I think she was more excited than I was but I mean it's <laughs> such a simple hole but to have it probably is a favourite because you've had a hole in one I mean can't really beat that I don't think what's your favourite of all time though uh, the ninth hole at Durness, most northwestly, you know, up north. That's you ever played up there? I haven't ventured I haven't, up there. No, no. no, it's the most northwestly course in British mainland, and it's the ninth hole. Ninth hole is anything between ninety yards, and there's a tiger tee about two hundred, and it's over the over the rocks of the Atlantic Ocean, so it can be crazy. <laughs> I'm gonna have to Google that after. Have to wrap this recording. Yeah, mm. have a look. Yeah. There's a wee plug for them as well. <laughs> mm. Well, you got to get a birdie for getting a hole-in-one in your favourite hole as well. Oh, thanks very much. That's a birdie. Hole-in-one. I thought he would have given an eagle because a birdie is an eagle, so it's, it's a bit unfair, darn. I think a birdie to start any day, though. <laughs> so what's your best and worst golf shot, Hannah? Oh, I mean, there's definitely been a lot of both of them, but... Um... What will we start with? We start with the best. We start with the worst. Up to you. Will we start with the worst? Let's start with the worst one. So I mean, there's probably two contenders for that. Two that pop in my head. One of them was about my third event as a pro last year in the Access Tour. Three wood in my hand off the first tee. And I mean, it's always quite a nervy one. In my head, I was mentally, I was either going to pump it or I was going to top it. So obviously, I really topped it, didn't I? Straight off the tee, but. 60 yards into the semi-rough heap of girls standing watching because there was a few waiting and I'm like I knew that was going to happen and there's nothing worse than knowing it's going to happen and then it happens so 
I just had to laugh at it and everyone's looking at me going, fair play, she's laughing, because what else are you meant to do, to be honest? So, I mean, I made bogey from it and it could have been a heck of a lot worse. So, so I've topped it. I mean, I've probably still got a little bit of anxiety on some three woods off the first tee now, but you just gotta, <laughs> just got to get on with it and try and think positively about it. But yeah, that was, that was quite, also quite embarrassing as well, to be honest. That's where you need that castle tee, just to give you a little bit extra height to kind of... A little booster out of the ground there, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the other contender was probably years ago, my first Welsh amateur, um, probably about 2009. I had about a one and a half foot putt, breaking, breaking left to right, big time. Missed it, obviously, and the Welsh national coach was standing there and going, oh my God, and I just turned around and looked at him and he just walked off, and I'm like that makes it feel 10 times worse if a coach is standing there saying that out loud. So <laughs> there's, they're probably a few that are highlighting my head going, yeah, they're pretty bad. <laughs> a Welsh coach as well. That's, that's yeah. pretty, I would say it's more unprofessional than anything. To, to... He kind of covered his mouth and walked away as if to be like, I shouldn't have said that, but I've said it now. And he just left. <laughs> <laughs> I was mortified. <laughs> so the best shot then? Um, best shot... Probably last, so tour school in January. I was kind of cruising on the back nine, stage one, was going to make the cut, no problem. Suddenly you find a few bogeys and you're like, oh dear, now we're really on the line. And then I hit par five, 18th hole. I needed, I knew I, pro, I needed a par to make the cut basically to get to final stage. I hit my approach shot with a nine iron, a little bit clean into a bunker in the back with a tight pin and I'm like oh my goodness here we go my boyfriend was carrying for me and you could see his, he was trying to be relaxed but at the same time I was like this is really stressful <laughs> and I had a downhill lie on the back of the bunker to a tight pin that obviously I knew you had to get up and down nip this bunker shot all the way it was through the left foot when you can't even feel your left quad because it's so heavy you have nipped this bunker shot checked up to about four feet and I hold it for par to make the cut on the number so I mean the ha their heart rate was through the roof and the adrenaline was was a bit crazy but to get into the scorer's heart to realize I made it on the number was I made the shot even better <laughs> I like that but it, I also actually like the fact that whenever you top your three wood you didn't lose your plot or throw the club down the fairway like I would have done you just kind of smiled and kind of walked in. Done with it. yeah <laughs> that's professional that's why you're a professional and I'm a I'm a Joe <laughs> So I'm going to give you a birdie for that, Hannah. Oh, thanks very much. Mm. Yeah. Right, okay, Hannah. What is your favourite major moment? Favourite moment? So probably it's got to be when Henrik Stenson won in 2016. Um, so obviously I've liked him for years and years, and I saw him at, I think it was Hoylake, I asked him for a picture and he even took his sunglasses off and smiled and said, have a good day. And I'm like, he's just a classy guy. <laughs> so everyone, when someone reacts like that, you're like, you've got to win at some point. So I just watched, I mean, I was watching it on TV, but it was at Troon, played it however many times in the hell in home Scottish Open. So watching a tournament and a course, you know, is always makes it feel a bit more exciting. So to see him and Phil going down the stretch and it was, it was going a bit crazy. I was like, this is, this is unbelievable. It's one of those ones that, you need, really need to go to the toilet, but you just couldn't leave the screen. <laughs> you know, mm. you're like, I can't leave the TV now because I don't know what's going to happen. So then for when he hold that part, it was just, yeah, I was delighted for him. I mean, obviously, I feel like Phil as well, but that moment for, for Stenson to finally get it, it was, I was delighted. Um, 
I'm I'm going to give you a birdie for this because a no one has ever seen Henrik Stenson without his sunglasses on, <laughs> right? And b on a previous episode we had someone say to us that there was a stat going around that Phil scored in that 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 time would have won pretty much any other open, but he ran into Stenson at the wrong time and his score was still lost. So, yeah. so for for Stenson to beat him when he was Phil was playing like that, it's pretty impressive. It was, so it was very impressive. That's yeah. a it's a good one, like so. You're gonna get another birdie there. Thanks very much. What a start this is for me. Personally, I would have given you an eagle for that because I'm a total Henrik Stenson fanboy. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah, <laughs> I love him. I think he's brilliant. I think he's very, he, he's so funny on social media and. I mean, just his uh, mannerisms, you know, even whenever he loses the plot in the course, it's hilarious to watch, you know, because he yeah. doesn't really do it in an angry way. It's more of a kind of humorous. Yeah, just a classy guy, I think. Yeah. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, next question. What is the funniest thing you've seen on the golf course? I mean, you see a lot of funny things, but there's things that you just... And to be honest, I'm probably going to drop myself in this something silly, but it's... It's probably more an embarrassing moment for me, to be honest, and not many people saw it or heard it. There was enough there to make it. For me, I still think it's quite funny, to be honest. So basically, first tee last year at Evian, but it was a qual- qualifying event for the Evian, so it was a Jabra Classic, co-sanctioned LET and LET Access Tour. I just spoken with someone a week before about mispronunciation of names. So you can imagine where this is probably going to go here now. So <laughs> I've spoken about it, had a laugh about it, thought, oh, this is hilarious. Never really thought anything of it. I'm on the first tee, obviously nervous, an LET event. And on the tee from Scotland, Hannah McCock. And I just died. I just couldn't deal with it. So... <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> My mum's caddying for me and she's standing there trying so hard not just to buckle over going, this is mortifying for her. <laughs> Chloe Williams, an Irish, uh, Welsh friend, was standing over watching and there's a few other girls in the next group behind. And I'm on the tee, trying to put the tee in the ground, just like compose myself, going, that's so embarrassing, but also hilarious. <laughs> so this, I think I hit a driver and it probably went the furthest I've ever hit a driver just because I was like the adrenaline in my body after hearing that was just something silly so I mean I've probably given myself that name forever now and saying that out loud on our podcast but <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean it was pretty funny you just got to laugh that one off so, <laughs> so I took it took it in my stride and off we went and thought oh, I hope I never see that start ever again so impressed you managed to hit a decent shot after that because I'd have been done that was me no score back to the clubhouse done. I was supposed to put the driver back in the bag and just be like right I'm out but I Oh, I don't even know what to say. I'm going to give you an eagle for that just because of the fact that that's, like, I think I'd have been rolling around in the ground if I'd have been standing there and heard that. You probably would have been. Up. I mean, there was a few faces looking at me like, should I laugh or should I not? But I was like, just, <laughs> you just got to laugh at this one. So. <laughs> <laughs> right. If you were to create the greatest golfer, a golfer ever, which skills would you take from which golfer to do it? I mean, you'd probably have Tiger Woods' whole game at one point in his day, but um, right now I would take Rory McIlroy off the tee in his good days. I mean, you can't really 
can't really go wrong with that, I don't think. Iron play Tiger Woods all day long. Yeah, for sure. Um, wedge chipping. Luke Donald. He's just, I mean, he can chip a golf ball pretty well. I mean, he's probably one of the most underrated players out there because you don't, he's not really done what he could have done, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, putting, I mean, it's hard to see past Jordan Spieth when he was whole in the world. I mean, <laughs> he basically looked at a putt and it went in. So if, if you could do that yourself, I mean, you would take it all day long. And then the mental side, Tiger Woods, for everything he's done in the comeback he's had, this just takes a bit of determination and grit to get back to where he's been. Mm-hmm. So that would probably be the ultimate, ultimate way forward. Even at my worst, I'm still good enough to beat you, basically. <laughs> that mentality. I'm, yeah. I'm looking at it, I'm a little bit disappointed you never picked driving to be Bryson to huge bow. Have you not been seeing <laughs> Absolutely giving it the full beans these days off the tee. He's putting his whole body behind that golf ball. That's oh, Mickty. I can't even watch it. It makes me hurt watching it, to be honest. Like, he'd be sending a ball through Zeno's wall in his back garden. Like, I've never seen him. Honestly, he's mental. Um, he's something silly. Yeah. Right. I am going to give you a solid par for that one because you picked Tiger oh. twice. Oh. Harsh. Yeah, uh, I seen something on uh, I think it was Instagram or something on uh, PGA mm-hmm. Tours uh, feed where it was was it Justin Thomas? I think he'd absolutely smashed the drive. Like the shamble would have been trying to drive the green or something and uh, <laughs> Justin Thomas had hit this drive and it must have carried DeChambeau's by maybe 20, 30 yards and then he kind of whispered, kind of walking off the tee, where are you at, DeChambeau, or where are you at, Bryson? <laughs> it was brilliant. Now, since turning professional, have you ever been starstruck in anyone's presence yet, Hannah? Um, I mean... Not not overly, but there was a funny one last year. I mean, I'm a big football fan. And I was playing an event in Sweden, Helsingborg. And I wasn't even any, I mean, I was 100 yards at max away from him. But I was still like, oh my goodness, it's Henrik Larsson. Like, he wasn't even a golfer. And I'm like, there's Henrik Larsson. He's like, amazing. <laughs> I was nowhere near him. I could hardly even see him. But I was like, he's in the golf course here. This is This is pretty cool. So... I mean, obviously the golfers I've played with and stuff, I'm like, you've been around for years, this is amazing, but I don't know why, there was something about Henrik Larson being that close, I was like, this is bizarre, (laughs) this is so cool. So I'm not even a Celtic fan or that, but I just thought it was amazing growing up watching him play football, so Mm. yeah, probably Henrik Larson. Now, that's a good score, but just to clarify, what football team do you support, because that can affect your answer. Um, it'll probably affect my answer. I'm an Aberdeen fan. <sighs> Darren, <laughs> an eagle, isn't it? <laughs> it was an eagle. Now it's been demoted to a birdie. <laughs> I'm a dog fan through and through. <laughs> I think uh, I'll probably be the most hated man in Aberdeen after after doing that. <laughs> Everyone's listening to you going on. No, <laughs> you're going with birdie there. Yeah. We're going to go with a birdie. Birdie for him. Um, so who did you look up to when you were growing up with regards to golf and why? Um, 
Well, probably, I mean, there's a, there's a couple of people that was, you kind of watch and you see, and on the female side, there was, I've always followed Annika Sorenstam. I mean, she was, I thought she was brilliant. I mean, one of the greatest, obviously, and things that she did and the way she played the game was amazing. But obviously, from a Scottish perspective, Katrina Matthew was up there as well when I was growing up and winning the British Open when I was trying to break into the Ladies Home Internationals team and things like that. So to see that was was amazing. And obviously, on the male side, I mean, I didn't really feel like I watched golf at the same time. I don't think I really did. But I think the first one of the first things I remember being a six, yeah, six-year-old when Paul won the British Open. I mean. That was just at the time that we were moving to the Highlands and seeing that was was pretty special. So probably Paul and Katrina from the Scottish side and then Annika from the just in general golf world, I'd say. So mm. just for what they've done for the game as well since they've, well, obviously Paul and Katrina are still playing, but Annika's kind of retired and still doing lots of things for juniors. So, mm. yeah, there's... Yeah. Annika was, I think Annika was the first, like, female golfer I remember seeing as a kid. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I just got on at a time where she was up there in the tournaments that I was seeing her on, but she was the first name that stuck with me. Mm-hmm. Um, I reckon I'll give you uh, another birdie. Oh, I'm not even got to justify it. You're just getting a birdie. This is trying to my life for the moment. <laughs> I think you deserve a birdie for Annika Storenstrom because I I think she. I mean, I remember watching her playing in the first men's event, and I mean, everybody was rooting for her. Everybody loved her. Yeah, I thought she was fantastic. I actually saw her. I don't even know. I can't remember what website I was on. You know, like when you're going to be like looking at golf clothes on a website or something like that. There's generally adverts and other things around the page. I scrolled to the bottom. I don't know if this was a recent thing or not, but there was a video of her and someone else doing like a pitching lesson. Right. You know, and it was just so. It was literally like two days ago. Like, oh, really? And I was like, I've not, I've not heard her name in ages. And I saw her on this website, and then you've just went and name dropped her there. Yeah. Now, next question, Hannah. So, obviously, whenever you had the starters issue, uh, that was as a professional, but what was your favorite moment as an amateur in your career? Um, I mean, winning back-to-back Sundays isn't, was pretty special, but I would probably say winning the Home Internationals with the Scottish team was, I would probably beat that. I mean, Winning on your own is great, but when you're winning with, what well, was there, six other girls, a team captain and a coach, it just makes it even more special. And to know that was the first time Scott had done it in about 10 years or something, it was it was great. And I mean, we were close a few years ago at Wimbledon and I was, I couldn't really watch because I was so nervous and I felt all that over again. And that adrenaline of the moment when one of the girls finally holds the putt to win it, it's just, you see all this like, so I'm cup and Ryder Cup on the TV and you think that looks amazing and even just win the home internationals is unbelievable so <laughs> um I'd probably say that moment and I actually I think I had one one drink and I was probably quite drunk because I was so excited and then drove overnight ho- to get back home so I mean yeah I'd probably say winning the home internationals especially with my last one before I turned professional I was desperate to do it and we finally did it so I would say that a winning home internationalist I think that deserves an eagle darn. Oof. Oof. <laughs> I think it's fair. There's a lot of people. There's a lot of people that have played home internationals and never won it. So to win one is 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 huge, you know. Yeah. Thanks. Mickey, fit that score. This is this Love is this is good. Right. Well, hang on. Last question before we do the last question, we need to clarify what score are we setting at. Uh, 
casual nine under. <laughs> <laughs> What's Paul? Uh, Paul, Paul, Paul is currently sweating. That's what Paul is. <laughs> right, so an eagle hero sends you to the top. Oh, goodness. Right, so this has to be a good answer. Right. Uh, what would you be if you weren't a professional golfer? So I should probably score me a par or something boring. Um, oh, something exotic. Something exotic. So just go wild and say something. No. Um, I mean, I studied sports studies at Stirling and to be honest, if I could go back now, I would do sports studies with journalism. I mean, my dad's a photographer for the Preston Journal newspaper. So I've always seen journalism and all that in my life. And I'd probably be involved in sports media or journalism in some way or another, I think is, is probably where I'd, where I'd want to go. Even now, if I had to give up now, I'd probably try and go down that route. So I'd probably say sports journalist or something along those lines is hopefully where I'd be if I wasn't actually playing it myself. I think I did my dissertation on women's golf in the media. And I think that if obviously I didn't play, I haven't been a player and some of the things you read in female golf is like, wow, that's just ridiculous. So I think if I could write female golf stuff a bit <laughs> different to what you read sometimes would probably make a difference. So I'd probably go down that route. Yeah. Mm. That's a really good answer. <laughs> you know, Sahan, I think I kinda, everyone that comes on here that did sports at uni, he became a golfer. They're oh, I may have just either done coaching or been a PE teacher, even though they can't grow up a moustache for a PE teacher. But I definitely can't do one of them. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, see, journalism, after that. But then you start talking about writing about ladies' golf. Uh, I'll give you a birdie for that. I'll oh, give you a birdie. Why, why not? Like, birdies for everyone. I'll, I'll take a birdie as well. Why not? We're <laughs> just getting birdies. Birdies all in. <laughs> There we go. Right, 10 under through your nine holes. You'll take that in your next comp, yeah? Oh, I would take that in my next comp and retire straight after it, probably. <laughs> take up journalism. <laughs> That's it. Mic drop straight after it. Just remember to write about that time you got 10 under on the podcast. I will do. Highlight my career. I think the fact that you've played at such a high level as well, you'd probably be a good journalist. You know, you'd probably be understand what goes through players' heads and you know, yeah, like, I, I mean, like some things yeah, I, I still remember some of the quotes that I read. It was my golf magazines I did this, like, it was a content content analysis I did. And some of the comments written about female game and players, it was just, I actually cringed reading it. And I'm like, this is horrendous. So, <laughs> to, it was all about how other people and like boyfriends and partners had to support them. I'm like, nah, the girls can do themselves. Like, <laughs> There's no need to, and there was comments like the girl, this girl's more suited for a, for a fashion walk or whatever than a golf course. I'm like, you can't write that in like media. So <laughs> I think having an understanding of what it's all about would probably definitely help because I think they're just writing about what they think. <laughs> yeah, that's nonsense. Like, I mean, if that's like talking about what Tiger Woods is wearing on a day, you well, know, like it's I'm not just... gonna get no news out of that. No. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Like it's you know, like if you're if you're wanting to get insight into what the players are thinking and you know at particular moments, not what they want to wear that day or exactly. Just, Why is he wearing a red shirt every Sunday? That's that's basically a news story, you know. Like, so well, we do love Tiger Sunday. Sunday. We do love a Tiger Sunday red shirt. It's because he's a closet dons fan. That's why. That's exactly what it is. Yeah, David, I I normally on a Sunday I normally go for orange and black. <laughs> <laughs> I actually do. That's enough of that. That's enough. 
Right. right. Last part of the interview, Hannah. Quick fire round, okay? So we're going to go through a few questions with you, and then if you can just give us the answers as to what you would prefer. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to get it started. Would you rather shank it or miss a tap in? Oh, I mean, well, that was quite hard. I'd probably just miss a tap in because I'd have the fear for the rest of the way around I was going to shank it again. <laughs> um, buggy or walk for 18 holes? Walk. I mean, the buggy round's fun, but definitely walk. Iron head covers or no head covers? Absolutely no head covers on iron. <laughs> I caddied for a girl once and a Scottish amateur. I'm not going to say any names. Years ago, she beat me, so I offered to caddy for her the next round and she had iron head covers. And I'm like, oh, I'm not sure if I can do this anymore. But I did it because I stuck to my job. But Did you wear latex <laughs> gloves when you were taking the covers off and stuff? Every time the iron head cover came off. <laughs> chucking it away and going, that'll do it. <laughs> I've seen quite a few people using iron head covers over the last over the last while, but I don't know. I think it just does it keep your. I don't understand why they use them. Is it to keep protect the clubs or protect the retail value? Uh, there's also, I mean, I mean, some of the clubs, I guess, like things like Mura and things like that. It's not quite a soft metal. Like would they, would they maybe? I don't know if they would damage Maybe or... they bash off each other. Maybe I don't know. Don't know. It's not a good look. I don't think. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's like wearing orange and black when you go and play golf. On the final day on the Sunday. <laughs> right. Who do you prefer to play in, windy or still conditions? Um, I, to be honest, I don't mind either. I quite like windy conditions, and obviously I've winning a few times at a link score. So I think everyone's fighting against it, and my expectations probably drop a little bit low. So you kind of accept what's going to happen, and before you know it, you've shot a good score, and you're like, there we go, windy conditions, I'd say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Too much pressure on yourself if it's flat cam. You think you're going to shoot the lights out. So, mm. yeah. That's a good point, actually. Mm. Wooden tea or castle tea? Oh, this is funny. So basically, I've listened to all your podcasts and I've known this question was going to come up. And so basically, <laughs> I'm going to drop myself on this one as well. Oh, God. Sit, sit yourself down, David. This is going to be <laughs> good. <laughs> so, two, I think it was just this... Oh, it was October before I went to tour school to turn pro. Had no teas left in my bag. I'd run out, found a cat, pink castle tea on the on the course. What did I have to use it, didn't I? Absolutely flushed my driver for the rest of the way ra- round that round. And I'm like, no, this can't be right. So the next day, I'm like joking away, going, oh, I might use a castle tea. I used it again just for a joke. Amazing. Never missed a fairway. And I'm like to my coach, Dave Torrance, should I be the first player that goes to tour school and use a castle tea? And he's like, don't you dare. I'm like, no, nah, don't worry. I'm not going to. So I got used to using it. We didn't want again the next day. And it was, that was it. I was over it. But for those two days, I'm like, maybe this is the way forward. <laughs> I can imagine that with the castle tea that you had, the pink castle tea, yeah. I would imagine that you probably gathered all your wooden teas and put like a little pen line as to the height of the... <laughs> Thankfully, I haven't. No, no. <laughs> I was like, maybe I should do that and just measure it against the pink castle tea and off you go. It would be funny though. It was, like, it was like Paul said on his one. He said, How funny would it be if I just rock up to play a tournament and I'm teeing up with Rory McElroy and I rock up with my pink castle tea? <laughs> That's a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> but so yeah, I used it, but I never really took it into play. But it, it did cross my mind going, Should I be the first girl at tour school? But I thought, No, I can't do that for myself. So. <laughs> Stuck to my wooden ones and always will. Right. Uh, yardage book or rangefinder? Um, probably yardage book, to be honest. Um, rangefinder, 
stuck too much on the number rather than where you're trying to land it and play it and stuff like that. So yeah, I'd stick to my yardage book. If you get given pins, for sure, yardage book. <laughs> mm-hmm. I like that answer. I would I would tend to agree with you. Uh, next question: blade or cavity? Um, oof, depends on the iron, but I play ping eye blades, so I'm gonna have to stick with the, the blade on that one. So, ball yeah. striker. Mm. Yeah, well, I mean, I've got an I two hundred three iron, so it's a bit more of a cavity, but the the blades the rest of the way through. So, yeah. Nice. Uh, would you prefer a stinger or a stratosphere ball? Oh, yeah, I like both of them as well. Off the tee. Well, a driver, it's got to be in the stratosphere though. Just there's nothing better than seeing it being up hanging in the air for so long, being like, When's that? It's Bryson DeChambeau style, isn't it? Really? So, um, but yeah, you've got a stinger two hour, three iron on the links course, and it's a windy, that's just that's nice as well. So, I don't know. Oh, I've hit it high, so I'm gonna have to go stratosphere. Yeah, white trousers or shorts? Oh, shorts every day. You got to get a suntan when you're out there. If you can. <laughs> Have you seen me in David's legs? Maybe I, you don't want to see me in David's legs. Yeah. I've worn a, I mean, I've worn white trousers on my day. I'm actually, I think I won the final day of the Irish when I won. I had my white trousers on, I think. So, I mean, I do wear them, but I definitely stick to shorts when I, when I can, if, if it's mildly warm at all. But you're a professional. You get away with wearing white trousers. Any uh, amateur rocks up and plays in white trousers. It's I mean, <laughs> on the tee with your white trousers and it's a shank straight into the gorse. Like, it's not a good look. <laughs> yeah, your castle tee. I, um, bought a, I bought a pair a couple of years ago and uh, my fiance Sammy mm-hmm. kind of walked in and set them down and she kind of looked at me and goes, what are you doing with those? <laughs> <laughs> that, they've been sitting in the wardrobe with the tags on them since. <laughs> right, uh, would you rather chip or putt? Um, probably chip to be honest. I used to probably be always putting, but the last few months my chipping's come on leaps and bounds actually. So, yeah, I'd say chipping now. Mm-hmm. L- lay up or all out? Oh, all out, <laughs> always. Yeah, no retreat, no surrender. I'll just gotta go for it, quite right. Uh, and do you prefer Tin Cup or Happy Gilmore? Uh, Happy Gilmore. <laughs> yes, another one. Uh, that's, just, that's like 10-1%. I mean, David, on that one. I like that. I don't know. The amount of time, you can't really watch it too many times, I don't think. No matter how many lines and quotes you know out of it, you can still watch it again. Have so, you seen Tin Cup? I have, yes. But I would still say... I would still say Happy Go More. I, um, I was playing yesterday, and... I said to you before the podcast that it was it was super foggy and all the rest of it. It was pretty rubbish. We came off early, but the last couple of greens that we were putting on, I was standing behind my guy that's playing with. I was going, "You will not make this putt, you jackass!" <laughs> was, I had to do on both greens. It was the best thing ever. I was like a little child hiding in the gorse bushes, singing, "You jackass!" <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, you don't get that kind of quality lines out of tin cup, David. Are you kidding me? The scene on the driving range whenever he has the 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 shanks, that is like the best scene in a golf movie ever. I felt his pain. I felt his pain. I went through it for about two years. <laughs> <laughs> Struck a nerve with you. Mm-hmm. Well, listen, Hannah, I really appreciate you coming on. And thank you very much for, for giving us some insight into what you 
basically who you are, you know, as a golfer and also um, providing us with some very funny answers and 10 under through nine. It was 10 under through nine? 10 under through nine, yeah. Pretty impressive score. I'll take that any day. <laughs> Thanks for having me on, guys. That was fun. No, no bother. And hopefully we'll get you onto this uh, Ladies European Tour soon. That'd be good, aye. That'd be good. I'm sure they'll be all right. <laughs> we've set the standard you just got to maintain this absolutely all right thanks again for coming on though and uh we'll we'll catch up with you again soon okay thank you very much cheers thanks, thanks. bye, bye. bye. bye.